Hey there, I'm Mangesh Shatikudur, a co-host of Part-Time Genius, one of the founders of Mental Floss, and this is Humans Growing Stuff, a collaboration from iHeartRadio and your friends at miracle Grow. Our goal is to make this the most human show about plants you'll ever listen to. And along the way, we'll share inspiring stories, tips and tricks to nurture your plant addiction, and just enough science to make you sound like an expert. So we are on summer break right now, but the truth is Molly and I can't stop our plant addiction. So we're bringing you some sunny mini episodes to enjoy before we return with a brand new season. Throughout this summer, we'll be dropping incredible stories from growers, fun advice we get from experts, and we'll even be bringing you along on our field trips as we hunt all over Brooklyn for a polka dot plant and learn about growing lavender on Governor's Island. It is super fun. In today's bonus episode, we're getting to the bottom of compost, from how to do it, when to start, why it's so important to soil health, and how it can help combat climate change. So quick backstory. When my family and I lived in Atlanta, we would take our food scraps to a local farmer's market for collection to be turned into compost. But that's kind of where my compost story begins and ends. But after listening to our many guests and friends on this show just talk at length about the benefits and meditative nature of composting, I wanted to figure out what exactly I needed to get started at home. So I called up Tara Lewandowski and Carrie Oceans. Tara is a senior scientist with Scott's miracle Grow, and Carrie is an associate director for the U.S. Composting Council, and both are compost experts. So if anyone could get me started, it's definitely these two. Hey, Tara. Hey, Carrie. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, my guest. So I've always liked the idea of composting, and I even used to drop off my food scraps at a farmer's market in Atlanta. But um, during COVID, that stopped. And I realized how much garbage I was generating. It's it's really crazy. But, you know, to be honest, I, I'm still not that familiar with what composting actually is and how it all works. And I'm a little hesitant to just start. So I, I'd love if you could explain you know, what compost is and the act of composting to a newbie like me. All right. So at its core, composting is taking the natural process of decomposition, which, you know, happens when leaves fall to the ground in the forest or whatever, and putting that into a concentrated location and manage, managing that to accelerate it. So we can put stuff into a, into a pile at home that could be, you know, instead of just a narrow layer, it's now in a pile and by putting in a pile, you accelerate all those processes, and so it, things will decompose faster. And then in the end, you end up with a material that's kind of like a soil. We call it a soil amendment, something you would add to your soil to help improve the soil's health. And then there are just a few basic principles. So the work of the composting is being done by millions and millions of microbes, bacteria, fungi, and other things. And just like any animal husbandry, if you maintain a herd of cows, you have to make sure that they're all fed and housed and keeping the micro herd happy and making sure they have the right amount of moisture, which is just, just a moist environment and making sure there's enough of them to kind of build some heat up and things don't get too dry and they have the right balance of nutrients, which is really just, we call them browns and greens. They really represent carbon and nitrogen. It's pretty simple at a, at a small level and a, at a home level, you can't get into too much trouble. So that's the process of composting. And then compost is just the end result of that process. And it's something that 
is good for the soil. Helps helps feed the soil, and in feeding the soil, you'll be feeding your plants. So it's not really a direct fertilizer, but it's uh, something that helps your plants grow indirectly by helping your soil grow. Can I ask why is composting so essential to growing and gardening? So composting is a way for us to recycle carbon, nitrogen, um, and, and the micronutrients to get them back to a form that the plants can use. It is really important for us to make sure we're reusing these organic inputs. People often think of uh, big ag and how inputs are off taken from the fields, but not many are put back. Um, that's a great example. But the same thing can happen at home. We want to make sure that when you're gardening and you're taking those organic inputs off, you're also putting something back. When you add organic matter to the soil in these forms, you end up with greater nutrient retention in the soil. It's often known as cation exchange capacity, CEC. Uh, you also have carbon in the soil. And carbon is really important not for the plants, but for the microbes in the soil. The microbes are going to need that carbon for their processes. But in breaking down the carbon, they're also breaking down NPK and making it more available for the plant. So very important for a couple different reasons. I had this incredible writer and thinker, Baratunde Thurston on, and he was talking about his practice of composting, which just sounded so romantic to me. He'd like go out in the mornings uh, after meditating and, and he'd take a cup of coffee and he'd sort of spin the compost and check the temperature and, and had this very quiet morning that was kind of based around his compost. <laughs> but, but I was curious, if, if I was just going to start composting, how would I do it? The best time to start composting is in the fall because there's usually fall leaves around and uh -huh. that's a good way to start. If you're going to start other times of year, you need to kind of, you need to have those browns, uh, those, that high carbon dry stuff that you're going to add your food waste into. So you, you, need to, you need to have that first. You can just do it in a pile. And the only problem with the pile is it takes up a lot of space. So if you contain a pile inside a couple of pallets or a wire ring or something, that contains the space and makes it easier to build a pile. Or you can get these commercial either bins or, or the fancier turners. Uh, like you said, you have the bins that are mounted and so can spin. Every state cooperative extension office in the country has pretty good instructions on home composting. And they're all pretty reliable. So get a pamphlet. It'll have the basic do's and don'ts and how to start and what your options are. But there are other variations. There's worm composting if for people in apartments that just really just have the food waste. They just want to be the, do the right thing and not send their food waste to a landfill. Composting with worms called vermicomposting is an option. In the end, you have to do something with this stuff that you've collected and made into compost. So if you don't have a garden, you know, you're going to find a friend to, to use it with. Ultimately, there's a lot of value in composting in terms of, you know, for the, for the planet because we're keeping food waste out of landfills and that causes methane, which is a powerful greenhouse gas, depending on how you measure it, either 25 or 100 times worse than carbon dioxide. You might wonder why, well, why doesn't that happen in a compost pile? Well, in our compost piles, we work to keep it aerobic. We, we work to keep oxygen flowing to the microbes in the pile. And methane only happens under strict anaerobic conditions. So if there's air getting in, it won't be creating methane. Landfills are designed to keep air out. But in the end, the point is to make compost and to use the compost. And so one way or another, you have to think about what am I going to do with this stuff once I have it? 
I love the idea of having garden parties and giving out gift boxes of compost yeah. to everyone <laughs> who comes. But um, so t- tell me a little bit more about the worms because I'm fascinated about, by them. And we talked to this wonderful person, Jamie Brennan from Gold Feather Gardens, and she was talking about how worms can be essential to the part of composting. So, Kate, can you tell me about how they contribute to the process? Yeah, so you can do a dedicated box uh, container that you get the right kind of worms, they're called red wigglers. Once they're active, they will eat half their weight every day in food waste. So if you have a pound of worms, which might be a thousand or 2000 worms, they will eat half a pound of food every day. Oh, wow. It is somewhat miraculous. Like, where did it go? Depending on if you're you know, a single person or a family four, depending on how much you're feeding them, eventually it kind of gets all compost and then you have to do something with it. That's a that's another story. but. If your compost is on the ground, which most people's compost, unless it's in a tumbler on, off the ground, you will get worms working their way into their compost pile. You'll get sow bugs and other things. But at a commercial facility, we don't get any of those because it's too hot. But at a home compost pile, yeah, you get you get a whole food web. You get you get little mites. You get sow bugs. You get all kinds of things that will be living in your compost pile, and they're all good. They're all helping part of the food web of the compost pile. There's a great book called Worms Eat My Garbage by Mary Applehoff. And uh, that is like the, the, the worm composter's Bible. <laughs> and it'll, it'll tell you everything you need to know about how to do it, what to do with it when you're done, what are the problems. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great resource. So you mentioned critters. And I, I, I'm curious, how involved should possum or raccoons be in my compost pile? <laughs> the, the, uh, they, they, they shouldn't be. We try to keep them out. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why if you're in an area that has those things, putting your compost in a bin in an enclosure uh-huh. uh, will keep, will keep them out. In an urban city, they'll, they'll, you'll want a rat-proof bin, uh, right? Yeah. And rats can get through a hole like the size of a, of a quarter. What are some things we can compost and what's surprising that we can't? Anything that was once alive or produced by living things can be composted. And you may have heard in, in some of the states in the, in the Northwest now, they allow composting of human bodies instead of funerals. So you can compost anything that was once alive. Now, at the home scale, that's a different story because you're not getting the heat. You're, you have, you're not getting the, the controls that you have at a big scale. And so generally, we say to keep to things that were growing like leaves, brush, grass, weeds. And from the kitchen, anything that was vegetative in nature and try to avoid too much dairy or meat or oils. Some people will be very persnickety about this and you know, really only do like coffee grounds and tea and, and the carrot tops and things like that. Others of us are not so worried about it. And so a little bit of cheese or a little bit of meat or a little bit of oil from the salad dressing really is fine. As long as, especially as long as you're burying it into your pile and not having it exposed. And I'm sure you're going to get some questions about that because some people will really disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fairly lazy composter. I mean, you can really be aggressive in your composting and turn it frequently and mix it up and make compost fast. Or you can be a lazy composter like me. I might turn my compost pile once a year. Just when it gets so full, I can't add any more in, that's when I have to start a new bin. And that's one thing that people have to figure out is if they have a single bin and they're adding food every every couple of days or once a week, when do they stop? How do they get their compost out? 
And so ultimately, you have to kind of start a second bin so you can let the first bin finish. I, I guess that's, that's one of my that's one of my questions too. Is like, how do you know when it's ready? Uh, it's it's tricky because the outside doesn't finish. I mean, the stuff on the very outside always looks like it's not decomposed. You have to hmm. you have to look inside to find it. You know, stuff breaks down. Compost happens. After a few months in a pile, the stuff at the bottom of your pile that you can't see will be compost. Take the raw stuff off the edges and off the top, and then you'll have your finished compost. So to add to this, um, it goes back to your question on cadence of when to start composting. So most people are going to be wanting to add compost to their garden in the spring, right? Like when they're starting their garden. If you back out from that, you're going to want at minimum, I would guess, six months in some of these piles. I mean, that's a minimum. So when Carrie's saying like when you should stop adding to a pile, fall might be a good time to consider doing that for what you want to use in the spring to start a new pile to then add to. A different cadence could be every year. Maybe you run a pile for a year and then you let it sit for a year. It kind of depends how much you're putting in, how big your storage area is, and when you want to use it. I think everyone's going to be a little different there. And then the other thing I'd like to add is when you're talking about inputs with the compostable products that are, we're all very excited to be seeing them, it, you know, reducing waste to landfill. For the home composter, it's a bit tricky. I can't say that you can't compost them, but it's going to depend on how you're composting, how active you are with that pile, with turning it and wetting it, how long it's sitting there. And if you don't like seeing pieces of cardboard or cup or some of that compostable stuff in your finished compost, you may not want to use them. They're primarily formulated for municipal or large-scale composting facilities that do have the time and temperature to really break them down. Well, I, I love that you've advocated and made space for the lazy composter because <laughs> that feels very much my lane, yeah, even totally. though I, I love the romance of like composting daily uh, and the way Baritone Day does it. I probably feel the same way about the gym where I, <laughs> I should be going every day, but but don't. But so if, if someone was on the fence about composting, what is your quick pitch for why they should get into it? That's a great question. So we all have organic waste that we're producing and you're sending a high volume of materials of possibly stinky material that's sitting in your trash. You're sending it to the landfill and often you're putting it in a plastic bag. And at that point, decomposition is slow to stop, especially when it gets into the anaerobic part of the landfill. We're just losing nutrients that way. You could take that material, compost it at home. For one, you're going to significantly reduce the weight, the smell, the mass of product you're sending to the landfill. So if you're paying for trash, that right there is a, a win. But secondly, it can be as involved or as uninvolved, as lazy as you say, Mangesh, <laughs> as you want it to be. It does not have to be a big deal. You can easily start a static pile and, and just add to it for a year. And then you can add with very minimal effort and still have a successful pile of just making a hole in that pile and putting your food waste in and covering it up maybe adding some water once a week, that could go a long way. And you could be all the way from that to a very involved composter, but it doesn't need to be a big production in your life in order to have a, a really positive effect on the environment. There isn't a lot of things that are readily accessible to, to every person to do to address climate change. Keeping food out of landfills is one of them um, that is really accessible to a lot of people. And unlike other kinds of recycling, where if you put a bottle in your recycling bin, 
it's going to go thousands of thousands of miles to a processor, to a converter, eventually end up as other product. Compost stays local. Keeping it at home is the most local you can be, but even sending it to our commercial facility, it's going to be within 50 or 100 miles of you. And then unless it ends up in a bag of Scots, it might go 500 or 1,000 miles, it's probably going to end up within 50 or 100 miles from where it started. And so that's a real advantage just on the process side. And then you've got all the benefits of the product itself. Tara talked about the nutrients, but there's other things it does for the soil. Soil that has a lot of organic matter in it can absorb rain easier. It holds on to the rain longer. It's easier to work. It's easier to garden. So there's all kinds of benefits that come both with the process and with the product. Thank you both for hanging out with me and talking compost today. Happy to do it. Had a great time. Thanks, Mangesh. Thank you, Mangesh. I want to thank Tara Lewandowski and Carrie Oceans again for sharing all their incredible knowledge about compost. You can learn even more about composting at the U.S. Composting Council's website at compostingcouncil.org. That's it for today's bonus episode, but check back here again soon for more bonus episodes this summer. And don't forget, no matter what season it is or where you're at in your gardening journey, there are some incredible resources waiting for you on the Miracle Grow website. Humans Growing Stuff is a collaboration from iHeartRadio and your friends at Miracle Grow. Our show is written and produced by Molly Sosha and me, Mangesh Hadigler. Our editor and engineer on this episode was Matt Stillo. Thank you so much for listening.